Turn with me to the book of Nehemiah, and we'll go from chapter 4 today. We're basically expanding what day 8 is in the rebuild devotions. But read with me just for a few moments, and I want to give you some important background. But today... Really what I want to do is I'm, uh, I'm trying to get the Holy Spirit to grab your mind, to have a strong mind, even in this dark season. Are you with me? Nehemiah chapter 4, and we'll read the first six verses. When Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews in the presence of his associates and, in the, and the army of Samaria. He said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore the wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring stones back to life from these heaps of rubble, burned as they are. Tobiah the Ammonite joined in, uh, was at his side and said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it will break down their wall of stones. But Nehemiah prayed this, hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall until it reached half its height, for all the people worked with all their heart. You know, the New Testament also says that for we... Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. Somebody say amen on the feed today. We demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. If you were in the building right now, you would give me a clap offering. I'm telling you, because we are not going to let this pandemic overcome our minds. And today, I want to speak strongly into your mind. After you've watched this message today, I want you to be thinking clearer, clearer and stronger. Now, having lived through what we're living through at the moment, we would make a mistake if we felt that once it's all over, we're all coming back and there will be no resistance to us coming back, as if it's just going to click back in to place. Just like Nehemiah, once he started, opposition came. Opposition to the rebuilding of this wall came. And the opposition to rebuilding your life, rebuilding our church, rebuilding your business, rebuilding your family life, rebuilding your normal way. I mean, I just feel for all the university students at the minute, rebuilding your course, rebuilding the way that you uh, can go about your university, all all of that is not just going to click back. There will be opposition to you getting back to the full stream and the full person that you need to be. There'll be internal opposition, things within us, a loss of confidence maybe, a, a sense of, wow, has this changed me in ways that I, I don't know? There may be, we may have to readjust our schedules where you think, oh, it's so much harder going to church than just rolling out of bed and with my coffee and what have you and although on a day like today 
You know, in the future, we'll just say, hey, everybody, stay at home. We'll just live stream out uh, in snow. And that'll be an advantage. But there'll be some schedule challenges, I'm sure. But also, there'll be some external challenges to rebuilding your life, rebuilding the church. Some people just won't want you to take the space back that you used to have. But what is this opposition Where does it really come from, both in us and around us? In Nehemiah, I want to uh, bring you in on some background information about the people who were opposing Nehemiah, Sambalat. The word Sambalat means uh, sin has given life. Now, the clue's in the name, everybody. (laughs) There's a moon god called Sin that he uh, really worshipped, and he he didn't worship uh, Yahweh at all. And so, the clue's in the name a little bit, but... Why, why did Sambala and Tobiah get so angry about building this wall? They're angry. Their anger is almost demonic. It's, it's almost uh, unreasonable. It's kind of a, an anger that you think, what on earth are you going on about that you are so unreasonably angry? Have you ever met that? That the normal things, that people react so strongly, and there almost seems a power behind it. Where's all that coming from? Let me give you some background. Sambalat's daughter was marrying the grandson of the high priest Eliashib, and uh, Nehemiah was about to reform society and say that the priests couldn't marry foreign women. And so that compromise was about to get confronted. Sambalat was also using that marriage to set up an alternative priesthood. And he was actually, uh, as tradition has it, Josephus teaches us, that he was one of the ones who instigated the Samaritans beginning to worship on Mount Gerizim. And so he was setting up something that was counterfeit. So the first thing was there was a compromise going on and there was counterfeit going on. Remember the conversation in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well where, where she said, oh, uh, the Jews worship in Jerusalem, but uh, we've been told we can worship on Mount Gerizim. Here it comes right back to here. It comes right back to here that Sambalat was setting up something alternative. Now, Tobiah, his friend, had some private guest rooms in the temple that had been given to him, and this convenient arrangement was about to be blown apart by Nehemiah. Let me tell you where opposition comes from. First of all, it comes from when we choose something counterfeit. When we say, I don't want to do it the way that the Bible says, I don't want to do it the way that things are supposed to be done, I'm going to set up my kind of alternate thing. And I just wonder if you're watching out on the feed, uh, whether or not you can begin to say, you know what, I need to serve Jesus the way that it's written in the scriptures, I need to serve Jesus the way that it's laid out and not go for counterfeits. Counterfeits always promise something and don't deliver them. So I want to just encourage you, opposition comes when we give our heart to something alternate and something counterfeit. The other way that opposition comes is, excuse me, when we compromise. 
What was happening here is that priests were marrying foreign uh, people who they shouldn't uh, have been marrying. And, uh, and in fact, it's not the foreign people's fault. It's more their fault for compromising. And opposition always comes when we compromise. When, when we say, you know what, I don't really need to follow Jesus that hard. If there's ever a season when we don't need to compromise, it's this season now. Let's be strong disciples. Let's be hot for Jesus. Because I believe that the, the pruning of the church is going to, there will be a pruning and it will be only those people who have taken up their cross daily and have said, I am not compromising, I'm standing for Jesus. And that's those people who will stand because everybody who compromises, their opposition will just, be, they'll court it, the environment will come around them. And compromise comes when we opt for convenience. Tobiah said, man, my private room's in the temple are going. And uh, he was just really annoyed about that. In our faith, let me tell you something about our faith. Riven in amongst it, uh, in amongst the very fabric of our faith, we have to believe and we also have times of sacrifice. And whatever season we're in, our convenience it will, sometimes God will give us a season of rest and comfort, and that's fine. But then he will always ask us to sacrifice. And I want to thank you for all the sacrifices that you have been making. But the reason why opposition comes around our lives is when somebody's trying to counterfeit something, when somebody's trying to make something convenient, and when something is a compromise. Stay away from counterfeit, compromise, and convenience, and you will still get opposition, but you'll be able to stand closely and strongly against it. Let's talk about the things that the opposition say, because one of the greatest oppositions to us is our mental state. You know, the battle of the mind is, is just huge, isn't it? It's, it's that sense in us where, where we're, our thoughts kind of go all over the place. And we need to, if we're going to rebuild our lives and rebuild the church and rebuild together, remember the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we demolish strongholds. Now, we demolish arguments. We think that things that, that make a logical case against following Jesus, we demolish those things and everything, every pretension that sets itself up, every alternate thing, we have to demolish that and bring it onto the obedience and captivity of Christ. Let's look at what they said. Nehemiah 4.2, if you're following in a Bible, in the presence of his associates, they said, uh, what, what are those feeble Jews doing? The first thought that we need to take under uh, captivity is, I'm too weak. Like Pastor Nick said earlier, we could, we're surrounded by such bad news at the moment that, you know, we could, we could be called weak and feeble. Nothing's making a difference, but our strength is in the Lord. Come on, let's take that thought captive. You are not too weak because he who is for you is greater than he who is against you. Jesus is bigger than this pandemic. You are not too weak. You know, the greatest thing that you can do is just keep showing. Showing up. Just show up. Just give yourself to being present, to, to saying, well, I'm still standing, Lord, because God will come through with you. 
You know, the second thought we need to take captive is that little thought where, they, where it says, will they restore the wall? Or, you know, that, that thought of, have I got enough? You know, I want you to remember, you, you, those of you who know me know that I don't, that, that I don't drive a car. But I have been for a couple of driving tests just to see if I can. And uh, one of my driving tests, I went to the test center. I had learned everything. I'd practiced and everything. And they went outside and I did the eye test. And they said, oh, Mr. Ryan, we're not even going to let you get in the car. You know, I was a bit deflated. I didn't even get to show any of my driving skills. They just didn't let me in the car. And as I was walking home, I walked home. I was thinking, Lord, have I got enough? Uh, uh, Have I got enough to serve you? And the enemy always tries to pick on people and say, can you really restore the wall? Can you really do that? Have you really got enough? Listen, just put your talent in his hands. And it's amazing what he can do with your talent. Just put it in his hands and you will be enough. Because one with God, as the Bible says, is a multitude. And then the the opposition often says, what's the use of praying? I mean, the opposition said, here, will you make sacrifices? Are are you going to be this religious connected people? And have you got that in the the pandemic at the moment? Say, what's the use of sacrificing? What's the use of doing church? Uh, It doesn't seem to make a difference. I can't seem to connect. One of the things about the Christian life is this. You will go through seasons. You will go through really joyful seasons. You will go through hard seasons. You will go through seasons of abundance. You will go through seasons where you have to pull the belt in a little bit. This is normal Christianity. Eventually, whatever season you're going through, God will break through. Can I read you a promise? Jeremiah 3, 33 verse 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and unsearchable things you, that you do not know. Every single person right now who's watching me, just lift your hand with me right now and just say, God, I call on you. Speak into my mind. Because your prayers, your sacrifices, your uh, sense of faithfulness, it will pay off and God will speak to you. Come on, take these thoughts captive. The other thing the opposition said is you, you need to live up to unreasonable standards. Do you remember what they said? They said, will you finish in a day? Oh, so you're building the wall. So come on then, let's see how really well you can do it. Isn't it just typical of the enemy? If he can't stop you, he's going to put pressure on you to do things that are unreasonable. If, if I was Nehemiah, I would have turned around to him and said, no, I'm not finishing in a day, but we are going to finish. And that's what the enemy does. He, he tries to get you to be filled with unreasonable expectations upon yourself. Now, come on, take a load off. Begin to live and swim in the rhythms of God's grace. 
I love that message translation of where Jesus says, come unto me, all you are uh, weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And, and in the message translation, it says, I will live in the rhythms of your grace, Lord. Come on, it's time that you understood that he is our heavenly father. He's cheering for you. He's anointing you. He's strengthening you. Don't let the enemy put unreasonable expectations upon you. Another thought that they threw at the, at the lives of these Jews trying to build the wall and reconstruct their society was this situation's gone too far. We can't come back from this. They said, look at this pile of rubble. But I want to say to you something really strong. Nothing but nothing has gone too far that God can't redeem. Even this pandemic, even when we get back together, even when you get back to your business, it's not gone too far that God can't rebuild. I know that some of you are on furlough. I know that some of you may have even lost your jobs. I know that some of you are struggling. But I want you to know that God can look at the rubble and he can begin to construct it. Take that thought captive that says there is no hope. It's gone too far. Tobiah threw in another accusation. He said, oh, even if a fox climbs on this wall, it'll break down. And, and have you got this kind of sense at the moment, and lots of people are saying it, that life's flimsy, that life's too uncertain, that even if we try, it won't work. We've got to take that thought captive and understand that God is the restorer. Look, my message is really simple today. It's simply this. There is so much negative input. Make sure that you are listening to what God says and what his truth is. You've heard this hundreds of times, but can I remind you to take captive those thoughts so how are we going to make a start? I'm going to give you just a, a three quick ways of how you can take thoughts captive, and then we're going to sing and pray together. First of all, to take your thoughts captive, I want you to pray the opposite of what the negative thought is. Whatever your thoughts are telling us, remember what Nehemiah did? He said, hear us, Lord, Turn their insults back on their heads. In other words, he said, Lord, do the opposite to what is being said. When you hear the thought, this can't be done, I want you to pray, I can do all things in Christ. When you hear in your mind, I'm not going to have enough money, then you pray to the Lord, thank you, God, that you are my provider. When you hear in your mind, nobody likes me, pray to your Father and say, I thank you that I am eternally and unconditionally loved by you. Pray the opposite. Begin to pray in faith opposite what your situation is. I'm not saying you deny reality. I'm not saying that you say, oh, it's snowing outside, so Lord, I pray that I'm on a Jamaica beach. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that when negative thoughts 
thoughts come in your mind, start praying the opposite and you're going to see that those thoughts don't reign your mind. Second thing is, and this is something that I do a lot, stop worrying about where you are. Instead, thank God of how far you've come. See, a lot of people, a lot of you don't know me. You don't know how I grew up. And I'm not saying that I had a terrible upbringing or anything. But if you could see me then to what I am now, and you know, you know that in your own life. There are people here on on our feed this morning that you were addicted, but you're not addicted now. And you may not be the person that you always want to be, but look how far you've come. You see, they had built the wall to half its height, but it wasn't a pile of rubble any longer. It got shape to it. You see, you've got to start thanking God for how far you've come. You see, the enemy always wants to put into your mind, look how far off you are. And yet, you need to look back and say, well, look how far I've come by God's grace. Come on, church. Bring it together. Bring it into your mind. You need to understand, look how far I have come. I'm giving you a simple message today. And basically, all I'm saying is, let those thoughts stop raging and bring them back under control. I'm speaking to somebody today. So, first of all, pray the opposite. Pray in faith. If you're running out of money, thank God he's your provider. And God will change your mindset on the things. If you begin to say, well, I may not be where I want to be, but thank God for how far I've come. And the last thing is, and all I've tried to model in my message today is be wholehearted. The people worked with all their heart. Whatever you do tomorrow, whatever responsibility you have, be a great witness about it. They had half a wall, but a whole heart. It says of them that they built up to that point and they worked with all of their heart. Now, PCC, I've been speaking to your mind, but let me speak to your heart. It's time for you to shake the dust off that heart of yours and say, you know what? I will praise you. You know what? I am going to worship you. You know what? I may not get to go to church, but I am going to stomp around my bedroom a little bit and, and make myself fully connected to God. It's time to engage your heart back. You see, if we're going to rebuild, we need to pray in faith, to thank God how far we've come, and to put our hearts back into it. Remember what James said, a double-minded man, We won't accept anything from God. You've got to put your heart back into fully serving God. Now, I'm calling you today, and I want to ask the worship team just to come, if you will. I'm calling you today to be single-minded, wholehearted, standing with Jesus. Let's not let this situation overtake us. Sure, I'm just giving you a bit of background of why opposition comes today. But mainly, I just wanted to bring some life and some strong word into your mind. Take those thoughts captive. 
put your heart into your faith. Half-hearted people don't actually get to really, really do anything. Amanda Gorman stood on the steps of the Capitol this week and she closed her poem, One, One More Hill to Climb, or The Hill We Climb, with these words. We have to be brave enough to see the light and we have to be brave enough to be the light while everybody else around you is just pushing out darkness. Get a hold of your thoughts, get a hold of your heart. By God's grace, ask him for strength and you push out the light. Let's be brave enough to see the light. Let's be brave enough to be the light. God bless you today. Let's sing.